0: Hey, Westside family. My name is Matt and I am the co-leader for the Young and Free group. Thank you for joining us for today's message. We hope that you are blessed by the word of God through the speaking of our pastors and leaders. And we pray that this leads you into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We love you and enjoy. You guys ready for the word today? So armed, a better title that I thought about after this, after I, I gave this to Jake, would be uh, armed for the family. So the last few weeks, we've been, we've been having uh, topical-based messages that has to do with the family uh, because a couple of things is how the Holy Spirit has led, but also we definitely have realized that there is a distinct Uh, targeted attack on the family of the United States of America. And I will say the world, but because we are in the United States of America, we have realized that the enemy is working through various social outcomes uh, and just various circumstances and, and, and choices to really break down the family. So today I'm going to talk to you about being armed uh, in order for our families our families to be protected. Now I'm gonna to be touching on an area of scripture that is very famous, very popular, and it's actually something I've taught here before. Hopefully I can do it a little bit different so that you can walk away with something that is a bit uh, not the same old same old. So I'm going to read to you some verses and then I have seven points uh, based off of these verses. And this is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 18. And we're talking about the armor of God. Can you say the armor of God? Can you look at someone and say, are you armed? You might get a, a, a yes uh, talking with some of our, our fellows and, and I think one or two ladies in the church. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. So let's break this down. I'm a believer that if you really want to protect your family, this is one of the first places you go to. This is one of the first places in scripture that you go to, to wrap your brain around and begin to look at how in a godly way you can protect your family. So let's look at point number one. So point number one is basically the setup or the context in which the rest of this area of Scripture is writ- written and expected to work. So let me say this again. The very first point here, which is, which is verse 613, is laid out there so that there is a foundation laid and a knowledge understood for everything else to work. If we don't get this first point, then we are not going to experience the totality of the rest of the verses or the armor of God, in effect, for our lives. What I have come across uh, as a pastor and a church leader for many years is that many people apply uh, components of the armor of God to their life but they do not apply the totality of the armor of God into their life and so therefore what they have is certain parts of their lives are protected and other parts of their lives are not protected so let's look at what this verse really says it says take up the whole armor of God there's three areas in this one verse take up the whole armor of God take up the whole armor of God so that is the first point to the directives and the application coming from God written by Paul for us believers in Jesus Christ is in order for us and our families to be protected from the works of the enemy and even the snares that occur in this world we have to realize we have to put on the heart whole armor of God. Not three quarters, not one half, not one quarter, not one eighth, not one sixteenth, not one thirty-second, but we have to put on the whole armor of God if we really want to experience the protective powers of God over the work of the enemy in our life. Can you say whole? So the verse says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the in the evil day and having done all if you want to be able to withstand in the evil day in the day that the enemy comes knocking on your door and the day that the enemy comes tempting you with things that you haven't been tempted with for 10 20 years ever been there everything was going okay everything was hunky dory And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something popped up and you found yourself tempted with something you hadn't dealt with in 25 years or 10 years. And it catches you off guard. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, wow, I I have a weakness to this that I didn't realize or I didn't think I even had anymore. Well, the Bible says that if we have the whole armor of God we will be able to withstand a visit from the enemy in the evil day. So repeating myself one more time, in order for the full armor of God to work, we have to put the whole armor on. Let's go to point two. So we actually get into the armor, start getting into the armor with this point. The belt of truth. We all know what a belt is. Now, when Paul was writing this, he was referring specifically to a a Roman gladiator uh, or a a Roman soldier's uh, uh, armor. And what you know, when you look and study out his armor, the belt keeps everything else in place. It keeps the breastplate that we're going to talk about in place. In place it actually has other protective uh, pieces on it it has these leather straps that that go down and cover the growing area it has a place for a little dagger when he's when when he needs to pull out another sword because he has a sword which we're going to learn about is the it's the sword of the Spirit the Word of God is what the Bible says it is but I like to think of the dagger as revelation So you're declaring the word of God. You're declaring the word of God. But on the belt of truth is a revelation that's only for you. And when you declaring the word of God just doesn't seem like it's cutting it like the enemy just keeps coming you keep you, you keep finding yourself weak there is a continual struggle or you're dealing with with, with uh, circumstances that you need to know answers to all of a sudden within the belt of truth is this dagger and this dagger represents a revelation, a rhema word what is a rhema word? it's a word directly to you for from God for the circumstance in which you're dealing with but it's On the belt of truth it's never different and it never opposes the truth am I making sense so the belt of truth keeps everything in order let's get to that point that's the main point right there it keeps everything in order truth will always keep life and family in order make choices outside of truth you can begin to find yourself operating in disorder. Live your life in a way that opposes truth, you will begin to find yourself in unhealthy circumstances. Make marital choices, that's outside of truth, you'll find yourself having marital problems. Parent outside of truth, you'll find yourself having parental problems. Make financial decisions outside of truth, you'll find yourself having financial problems treat your body in a way that's outside of truth, you'll find yourself with health problems. Because the truth keeps everything in order. It doesn't mean you don't face stuff, which we said this a million times, but it allows you to maintain order even when you're facing stuff. Those of you who are of the organization side of life, my wife is very organized. Uh, Sonny, you're pretty darn organized, aren't you? Those of you who have an organization bone in your body, when you are organized, basically you keep things in order. And what is a natural byproduct of that order? It's a P word. Peace. When our house is in order... My wife has peace. And you know what they say, a happy wife is a happy life. That means I have peace. But if our house is out of order, my wife is dealing with a bit of conflict. And if she's dealing with conflict, that means I'm dealing with conflict. I don't like conflict. I like peace. I like TLC, little tender, loving care. But in order, for that to happen, our house has to be in order. Order brings peace. Amen? Order establishes clarity. Order allows you to focus on the important things and not be distracted with the non-important or the less of important things. So going back to truth, the belt of truth, Keeps everything in order. What is truth without going on a deep, going in in a deep hole in this context? What we're talking about is the truth of God's Word, which in this church and as your pastor, I believe is the only absolute truth in life. There is no other absolute truth in my thought, in my opinion. Only the Word of God is absolute. Outside of the Word of God, there are relative truths. But when it comes to the Word of God, it's the only absolute truth. So it's important in our families that truth is the foundation. Biblical truth is the foundation that we build upon. Amen? If you want order in your house, if you want order in your marriage, if you want order... And make sure your life is built on truth. Number three, breastplate of righteousness. keeps your heart right with God and man. The breastplate of righteousness in our reality, what it basically means is protecting our heart or our vital organs, rather, because the breastplate, breastplate didn't just protect the heart, it protected the vital organs. It protected the heart, it protected the lungs, it protected the small and large intestines. It protected all your vital organs. And what it's really saying to us is that our choice of righteousness in life protects all the vital organs In life, in our life, vital organs, in other words, the vital things that causes us to live. I'm speaking in a a spiritual format, not necessarily a physical form. So when we choose righteousness as opposed to unrighteousness, what makes us thrive, what causes us to live, what puts us in a position to be blessed, to be favored. To have a good life. To have a good family. A strong family. It keeps all that safe. The breastplate of righteousness. And also what it does is righteousness keeps our heart tuned toward God. As opposed to unrighteousness. It's very interesting. So once one begins to practice an unrighteous act. What begins to occur is a domino effect. It's funny how it works. Once you begin to practice one sin, you cannot help but to struggle with multiple sins. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? So, when we choose righteousness, what actually begins to happen is a heart that desires God. Is a heart that wants to worship and praise God. Is a heart that wants to honor God. But what begins to happen when we choose unrighteousness our heart toward God changes I've seen it time and time and time again someone in love with God walking very strongly with God all of a sudden begin to let a little bit of unrighteousness in and then little by little their heart for God begin to dwindle Their passion for the Lord became less. Their willingness to be of service to God became not as frequent. Their praise and their worship was a little here and a little there. Why? Because they opened their heart to a little unrighteousness and that little unrighteousness led to more unrighteousness which change their vitals. See, it is vital that we are connected with God. It is vital that we praise God. It is vital that we are committed with, to God. It is vital that we believe in God. It is vital that we are of service to God. It is vital that we consistently give unto the Lord. It is vital. But if we allow unrighteousness in, what begins to occur is unrighteousness does not protect us, does not protect the vitals in our system, in our spirit, that keeps us intact and connected with God himself. And so many times, so many times, we have to choose righteousness because it's the right thing not because it's what we want to do let me say that again righteousness more times than not is a byproduct of choice not a byproduct of want So we have to choose righteousness in spite of wanting unrighteousness. Can you imagine a gladiator just waking up one day and say, you know what, fellas, I got a battle going on in about 15 minutes, but I just don't feel like putting my, my breastplate on today. It's heavy, it rubs me raw, and when I pull it off, I get that man sweat funk going on. guys know what man funk sweat is all right I'm sorry my wife gave me the just go smell the, the, the 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 football locker room after a game or after a practice you'll find out real fast what man funk sweat is all right the worst is wrestlers man Especially their mat. Go smell their mat after about 10 practices and you'll find out what it is. It's nasty. Anyway, the point is we have to choose it. Whether we feel like it or not just doesn't matter. It doesn't change the effect of either or. I have learned in my life Number one, the more I choose it, the easier it gets. But when God shows me the big picture of why I need to choose what he wants me to choose, it makes it, I have a whole lot more reasoning to choose it. Sometimes we choose stupid stuff just because we don't really know the the effect that it could have or the damage that it's really doing. But I've I've done a lot of study on, on why, why certain sins are wrong. Why is God telling me not to do this? And for me, when I have learned, some things are more obvious than others, but when I have learned the reasonings of why God doesn't want me to do certain things, it's like a light goes off in my head and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. This choice would hurt this person. Or this choice would hurt me. Or this church, this choice would put me in in, in a stupid, foolish position where maybe I wouldn't be able to provide for my family as well. So I want to encourage you because we're we're all in the boat. Righteousness is a choice, oftentimes as opposed to a want. But I want to challenge you. Whenever God is saying, don't do something, but yet maybe you want to do it. I want to encourage you to look at the big picture. Ask the Holy Ghost to show you why. And have an open heart and have an open mind to the possible damage and to the possible harm and to the possible death that could occur from your choices and your actions. Give it some time and God will definitely show you. And for me, at least, it makes it a lot easier choosing the right thing. Not that I choose the right thing all the time, but I can honestly say I live my life above approach. And it, make, it makes it easier uh, to do that. So let's move on. Choose for your feet. So it says a readiness that comes from the gospel. A readiness that comes from the gospel. A readiness. So when it says choose For the feet, it means a readiness, being ready. Being ready, a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So when you accept the gospel of Jesus Christ and you are, are, are a follower of Christ, his gospel makes us ready. So for a Roman soldier, if he didn't have his shoes on, he would not be ready. He could hurt his feet, he can get his feet cut he can get his feet uh, damaged and if he don't have his feet he cannot progress he cannot continue his feet had to be protected for us we need to be ready we need to have a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace a readiness for what a few things number one a readiness for heaven The gospel of peace gives us a readiness for heaven. If you were to die and you have the gospel of peace in your heart, guess what? You are ready for heaven. A readiness for prayer. The gospel of peace puts uh, puts us in a position to be ready for prayer when the need arises. Say your family went through a tragedy, your hands are tied. You can't do nothing. You don't have the strength, you don't have the money, you don't have the wisdom, you can't do nothing. But if you have the gospel of peace inside of you, the authority of Jesus Christ in your heart, guess what you can do, and it will produce matter, is pray. So many times uh, 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 people that I come across that is going through uh, hardships and we put ourselves out there, what can we do to help? When in our reality, our hands are tied, there's really a lack of of our help, what most always comes out of their mouth is please pray. So it's the gospel of peace gives us a readiness for prayer. When your kids is going through something, you need to be ready for prayer. When your spouse is going through something, you need to be ready for prayer. When the enemy's trying to strike you down to get to your family, you need to be ready to pray, Amen. Ready to help. Serve the church. Serve your neighbors. Serve one another. Ready to correct. If you're given the opportunity and you have the chance to invest in somebody's life that might be going astray, the gospel of peace gives you the readiness to maybe correct Not in harshness, harshness, not in ugliness, not in condemnation, not in judgment, but in love, correcting somebody in love. Because maybe your correction is the difference with them going to heaven, going to hell, walking with God or walking with the world, or even life and death, and then ready to defend. So we are in a day and an age we need to be ready to defend our beliefs in Jesus Christ. Can you defend your belief in the Bible? Can you defend your belief in Jesus? Even when the opposition is coming from a child. Even when the opposition is coming from a teacher. When the opposition is coming from a family member. When they say, why do you believe in Jesus? Why should I believe in Jesus? Why do you believe in the Bible? There's a million books in this world. Why is one of the other beliefs not legit? How about the Hindu Bibles? How about the, the, the Buddhist Bibles? How about the Book of Islam? Why should I Follow you or do what you do. Why should I even listen to you when you're talking about the Bible? Do you know how to defend yourself when it comes to defending God and his word and what he gave us, which is Jesus Christ who died on the cross? Ready to defend. So our children, most of our children go go to school in a worldly environment. They're going to come home with influences. They're going to go over friends' house where they might see some things, hear some things, possibly be tempted to partake in some things. And they're going to come home and they're going to tell you about it. Are you going, are you ready to defend your family with the gospel of peace? Maybe that television show comes on and everybody else and their mama is watching it. But you're like, no, we we can't watch that. And they like why? I say like, I just don't, I don't know. I don't feel good about it. We're just not going to watch it. That's not a good answer for a modern day kid. You're going to have to be able to defend your choices and your reasonings and why you set the standard for your family. If you don't give them a reason, if you don't tell them why, if you don't give them a view of how God is working in your life, don't expect them to take that same standard and that same view and that same work and reproduce it in their life and in their family when the future comes. We have to know how to defend truth. God, the Bible, and what He is to us in the world. Are you hearing me? Look at someone and say, be a defender. Now look at them and say, don't get me mad. Don't get me mad. You don't want to see this mama mad. You don't want to see this daddy mad. You ever tell your kids that? Well, you better not get me mad. You get, you, it changes everything right there. They, 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 they come in and do something stupid, and they get on your nerves. Koa, haven't I told you that before? Son, you better not get me mad. You get me mad. Mm-mm, mm-mm get me mad I'm taking the shirt off I'm taking the belt off taking the shoes off so we're gonna scrap now don't get me mad we, we're gonna get loose to rock and roll I'm just kidding let's go on let's go on. those of you who know who've been in a few fights you know what I mean you got to get loose if you're gonna rock and roll you ain't gonna get all tight or not like that you got but not get no brother mad you can get you can get it going I know you've been in a few fights, yeah, I, I know you've been in a few fights, do Number five, all, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Can you say all circumstances? Can I have that up here, please? All circumstances, not just some circumstances, not the bad circumstances, it says in all circumstances, all right here. All circumstances take up the shield of faith. All circumstances requires our faith in God. Because the enemy can use all circumstances. Now let me tell you something right here. Not all circumstances is demonic. I've dealt with people to where every little thing that they had, every little thing that happens in their life, they could get a splinter from rubbing their hand on a wooden post and they'd be like, oh, the devil gave me a splinter. And I'm like, I didn't say it, but I-, I wanted to be like, just shut up. Just, just shut up. You just get on my last nerve. Like, like just shut up. Like, you- Are you breathing this morning? You know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, not everything, not everything that happens to us is the devil working against us. But I will say this, anything that happens in our life, the devil can use to work against us. Amen? Does that make sense? So because the devil can use anything, then in all things we must have what? What? Not just faith, it says the shield of faith. Faith, okay, so, so now we're, we're, for a real quick bit, let's, dump, let's jump into a, little, a couple different types of faith. There is the faith to re- receive, there is the faith to maintain, and there is the faith to defend different levels of faith, different operations of faith. So when you have the faith to receive something, you are quoting scripture, you are believing, you are doing things in faith to receive whatever it is you're praying for. The faith to maintain is you are living a life holy unto God that is maintaining your faith in God. But then when you have a faith to defend, it's when the enemy is coming against you, you have this belief and you have this trust in God that says, no matter what I feel, no matter what I go through, no matter what I lose, no matter what happens, I might be well, I might be sick, I might be rich, I might be broke. No matter what happens, I am going to believe that God is with me no matter what. It's the faith to defend your heart, your mind, your spirit, your family against the work of the enemy. So the shield of faith is a defensive faith. It is not a getting faith. It's a defensive faith. Now, so check this out. Back in the day, Oftentimes, their shields was made out of wood. How many of you seen Braveheart? I know it's an old movie, but it's a it's a good one. Only one person seen Braveheart in this church. You guys need to back up and go back to school or something. If you, Braveheart's a good movie. Oftentimes, a lot of them had wooden shields. Now, 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 let's read the verse. Give, give me that verse back up up here. By the gospel all the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil. Now, why did he put that in there? Because it really, you know, there's a couple takes on it, but the real reason that he really put this in here is because there was an awareness that when a fiery arrow was shot at a wooden shield, and it penetrated and it stuck in that wooden shield, those shields was already dried out wood. We know the difference between dry wood and green wood, right? A dry wood will catch a flame just like that. And so these shields was dried. They probably had a, re- a resin or an oil on them. And when this flame hit this shield, it would it didn't just go up in smoke as if it was a green piece of wood. It usually caught a blaze really fast because it It was a dry piece of wood. And so what Paul was teaching is that the shield of faith, a defensive faith, a trusting God, in spite of what the enemy is doing, it is going to protect you even against things that penetrate the rest of the world. The shield of faith protects us in ways... Other areas of protection may or may not protect you. For instance, God can protect you more than your job can protect you. God can protect you more than eating healthy can protect you. God can protect you more than a good relationship can protect you. God can protect you Better than a 9mm, a 40 millimeter, AR-15, AK-47, or a shotgun pump. God can protect you better than anything. It doesn't mean we don't apply wise principles of protection in other aspects of our life. Amen? We apply the principle of eating, at least we should, eating healthy, exercising, good, strong relationships, home protection, blah, blah, blah. But what we have to realize is that there are times that those mechanisms of protection may fail us. You may lose your job. You may get sick in spite of eating healthy. Something might happen to where your gun just does not provide the protection that you thought it would. And what this is saying, keep that scripture up there for me. I'm going to fire you if you don't keep that up there for me. I'm I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. You don't want me to be your boss, I'm telling you. I'm only kidding, I'm only kidding. it made me lose my train of thought. Sometimes things fail us. But what this is saying, the shield of faith will extinguish all the darts that could penetrate the, all the other mechanisms of faith. You have to have your trust in God intact. No matter what happens, you are not going to lose your trust in God. That's the greatest uh, uh, type of faith defense that that you can have is trusting God no matter what. Where's that at? Helmet of salvation. Look at someone and say, are you saved in the head? <laughs> oh, go, go ahead. I, 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 told, I gave you permission to say it. Wife, say it to your husband. Are you saved? Don't say, are you sick in the head? That's not a good one. Are you saved in the head? Men, husbands, look at your wife. Woman, are you saved in the head? You know you want to say it, but you're too scared to say it. They need to follow me. Woman, are you saved in the head? That's what I'm going to say to her next time when she asks me a stupid question. Woman, are you saved in the head? I would not advise that. I would not advise that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Holy Ghost for that change of heart. <laughs> saved in the head, being head safe. Protecting, protected from the battles of the mind regarding our salvation. So let me be brief, because I got another one. I got to hit, and I I, I, I don't want to keep you guys much, much longer. Even, even after we're saved, we can deal with condemnation. Like we know Jesus has saved us, right? But yet, the spirit of condemnation can still haunt us. And it's a mental thing. Like no matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter how much you praise. The spirit of condemnation can just be boom, boom, boom. Condemning you over your past. Condemning you of maybe not being perfect in your present. And then we have accusation. I've walked with people that were accused over every little thing they did. They didn't raise their hand in church. They felt accused of not loving God enough. They missed a service. They felt accused from the devil for not being committed enough. They made a mistake. They felt accused of the devil that they were going to hell. And all these is absolute mental like mental battles that just has a tendency to break you down. They steal your peace. They steal your joy. They steal your happiness. They steal your love for God. All of it. Another one is a generational curse. Thinking. We are cursed in a way that is a byproduct of previous family choices. But we have to put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is a salvation that has to do with our mind. Because the byproduct of our, now think about this. The byproduct of our mind is what brings us to salvation. God says, call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. God says, the Bible says, believe in your heart and you will be saved. The heart in that area of scripture is not an organ. It's your mind because you don't believe with an organ. All this organ does is pump blood. You believe in your mind. So heart right there in that area of scripture is a reference to soul. A soul is the area of our mind. So please, please, please get this, please get this. If we are saved as a byproduct of what goes on in our mind, then when the enemy comes in to really break us down and to get us off kelter and remove us from the blessings of God or remove us from our purpose from the Lord, what is he going to hit first? He's going to hit the gateway, and the gateway is the mind. If the mind saves you, the mind will condemn you. you got to put on the helmet of salvation. Oh no, not today, Satan. For there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We are delivered from the great accuser. Our generational curse has been broken because Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the Bible says he is the anointed one. And then another verse says that the anointing destroys the yoke. A yoke is a type of curse that controls somebody. And through Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the yoke, the curse, the bondage, it is not just broken, the Bible says it is destroyed. But we got to get it in our head. If you have family that was an alcoholic that that dealt dealt with that struggle, you got to get in your head that you don't have to deal with that struggle. If you have family members that dealt with lust, you got to get in your head that you're not going to deal with that lust and not just for you for your kids you got to stand up and say by God my kids is not going to be alcoholics my kids are not going to be perverted my kids are not going to be poverty-stricken my kids are not going to walk away from the Lord my kids is going to follow and believe in Jesus all the days of their life you gotta you gotta demand that helmet of salvation for you and your family amen and you got to oppose anything that has the potential of removing that helmet. Remember, helmets are removable. Things that protect us are removable. So what are some things that we can do to remove the helmet? Is number 1 is to believe the thoughts of the enemy? Put yourself in the wrong environment. Stay connected to the wrong relationships. Watch the wrong things. Read the wrong things. Listen to the wrong things. We can go through a whole list. There's a plethora of it. Things that causes you to remove your helmet of salvation. Let's go back to the very first one. Keep the belt of truth wrapped around you. Keep everything in order in your life. And anything that opposes that order, you remove it. Do not allow anything, do not give the devil a moment, a crack, a smidgen of opportunity. To get inside your head with his lies he's the father of lies and the first thing that he implants in your mind is lies but we serve the god of life we serve the light of the world and his words is life his words is peace his words is goodness his words is blessing and we got to put his words in our mind to retain the helmet of salvation amen last one sword of the spirit Sword of the spirit it, it, it. are you just doing are you just who's back there Can't see. eric are you just messing eric are you on your phone <laughs> i'm just messing with you right i'm just messing with you you wouldn't tell me if you was anyway if you was you're asking jesus to forgive you in your mind right now for lying I don't blame you. I would have said no, too, because everybody is. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, so we are sword of the Spirit, word of God, truth. We already dealt with truth. So truth is coming in two forms. Truth as a foundational part of our life. It's what we know. It's what we believe in. It's what we live by. And now we have another truth. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So really quick, three things I I want to bring to your attention here. Number one, it's truth in action. So you use a sword to defend, to offend, to fight. So the sword of the spirit represents God's word that's in action. Knowing it is not good enough. You have to act upon it and you have to act with it. Am I making sense this morning? There's a lot of no good people that knows the Bible. Knowing the Bible and acting in or on the Bible is two different things. And the sword of the Spirit is all about acting out the word of God. Now, there are two types of word, and, 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 I've, and I've taught this before, and I'm going to teach it again. There's the rhema word, and there's the logos word. So when you dive into Greek, which the New Testament is written in, you have two forms of word. You have the logos form of word, and you have the rhema form of word. The logos form of word is what you get when you just read this. That's the logos word. The rhema word is based off of this but it's directed to you for a given situation from god himself so it's a revelation of word based off of this that is for you and your circumstance in a in, in a now moment can i tell you like I, I know the word of god i've been reading it and, I, and i've been studying You know, I have to speak in paraphrase just because of how my mind works, but I know the Word of God. But there's times I'm going through things and I'm going through things and I'm struggling. And even though I know the Word of God, it's not helping me until all of a sudden, out of nowhere, most of the time, it's when I'm driving my truck. I can be heading down the highway, not looking for adventure, because that day I wasn't born to be wild. But heading down the highway... Seeking God, praying, thinking, meditating. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom. It's like a light bulb clicks on. I don't know why it was then. I don't know why I was at that moment. Why he couldn't do it at my house, I don't know. But he does it and all of a sudden he gives me a word that is based off of this for me to act, for me to choose, for me to be, for me to approach something. It's a rhema word. So what begins to happen is now the rhema word that is also the logos words becomes a flaming sword because I'm acting on it for either my, my family, or even my church's benefit. Does that make sense? Worship team, you guys can come up. It's imperative, m imperative Can you say imperative? That you just not know the word, that you act upon the word. And if you don't know what to do, if you don't know what's going on in your life, you begin to connect and spend some time with the Almighty so that he can give you a rhema word that is based off the Logos word so you can put his word into action for your life. That's how we put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. The belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. Shoes on our feet. Shoes of readiness, rather. The shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is His word in action. I believe this like I believe I'm in existence today. If you take these principles and these scriptural directives that we talked about today. And you exercise them in your family. I can't sit here and say your family would never go through something. That, it, that just don't happen. I wish I could say that. But I, I can guarantee you. You will be ready for whatever you do go through. And there's a lot of things that you won't go through because this keeps you safe and protected. Does that make sense? It prepares you for when you have to go through something. And it causes you to detour around the things you don't have to go through you have to put on the whole armor, going back to the very first point, not the first article of, of, of the armor but the very first point, you have to put, put, it, put, it, put it all on you can't expect to have the belt, but yet not have the breastplate of righteousness it don't work that way you can't expect to have the belt and the righteousness, but yet you don't have faith Work that way. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You can't have all the others, and all of a sudden, when the enemy comes up, not be willing to act in offense and defense against the work of the enemy. You gotta, we got to have all of it, and I'll be very honest with you. You'll find yourself having roller coaster rides on on various areas of these, like. Like you might be really strong in one or a few areas in your life at a certain season. Get out of that season, enter into another season. You might find yourself weak where you were strong and strong where you were weak. All I can say to you is you keep fighting for it. You keep pushing forward. You keep Putting it on, keep putting on the belt, keep putting on the breastplate, keep putting on the shoes, keep putting on the helmet, keep carrying the shield, keep carrying the sword. You just keep doing it, keep doing it. Those of you that's been in our faith for a long time, that's walked with God for a long time, You guys can attest to what I've said this morning. Judy, you can attest to what I've said this morning. Miriam, the armor of God has helped you on your journey of faith, right? You guys can attest. Keep putting it on. Stand to your feet if you would. Let me pray over you worship team will lead us out in a song. Father, I ask not just for protection because you've given us a way to be protected. What I ask is that you convict us, you remind us that your spirit teaches us how we can daily put this armor on us, on us because daily we are gladiators daily we are in a battle daily we are having to walk into the Colosseum of life and we're having to fight fight off lions that is trying to kill us and destroy us along with our families and our friends and our coworkers. So Father, may we not be so arrogant and may we not be so complacent or lazy that we enter into the colosseum of life, onto the battlefields without taking up the whole armor. Every article, every piece. And may we be so consistent with it May we make it a point to talk about it in our families, with our spouses, with our children, with our friends, with other family members and other acquaintances. May it be a part of who we are as your followers. May it be a part of our language when discussing faith and spirituality It is so easy to put on the side of a children's lesson because we've become really good at teaching it in that context. But may we realize the true importance of it during our whole journey of faith so that we can always be protected and always be ready for whatever comes our way or whatever we're called. I declare. Blessings over my church family today. I declare peace over my church family today. I declare provisions over my church family. I declare unity and I declare love and I declare power in this church. In the name of Jesus Christ. He said, Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally and continues to encourage you throughout the day and the coming week. We'll see you next time.